Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only the diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. I'm Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show, and can be found on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. You can follow the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod and on Facebook at Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. And if you're really getting adventurous, you can check out our website, wiscosportstrilogy.com. I believe that's the correct link, or just Google it. But you can find some of our blogs there as well, where we post a lot about the Bucks, Packers, and Brewers. Today, I am joined with good buddy Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender, who can be found on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And we're here to talk some Brewers baseball. I'm finally getting the the shakes of withdrawal so i feel the need to go through some hypothetical situations and get the baseball blood through uh, flowing through my veins again so hopefully trevor is on board with that today so how are you doing over there buddy well i i am on board for some hypotheticals and i'm still i have still not watched a pitch of baseball since the brewers lost shame on you no, that was I. I'm protesting. I'm protesting. You missed girls flashing the camera. What oh, are you doing? Nope, nope. I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't watched like a live pitch of baseball. I have seen some replays of like the walk off home runs that have happened since the Brewers went out. Um, and obviously, I watched the tits. That was pretty great. But you know, I'm I'm feeling pretty good not watching baseball because it makes me not think about the way the Brewers lost very much. So I'm doing pretty good. Packers are doing great. Uh, Bucks are just started. I mean, can't say much about their season so far, but you know, it's an exciting time. And now we get to play the role of David Stearns in this podcast. So, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I feel the need. We have to back up to the, the tits on TV. <laughs> Did you hear what their punishment was for doing that? Well, I know they're not allowed to go to any MLB games ever again. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That is harsh. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> and wow. From from my understanding, I didn't read like a ton into this, but from my understanding, they were raising money about breast cancer. Oh, now the MLB's got to feel like a real douche. <laughs> <laughs> that that might not be fully true. I know they also like own their own like fashion magazine or some shit. I don't really know, but I thought they were wait- raising awareness for breast cancer. I could be wrong, but that's what I thought I saw somewhere. Interesting. Well, they're famous for at least this week, and maybe more details will come out about it. <laughs> but we are here to talk a little bit about the Brewers today. 
And before we get into our hypotheticals, there was uh, leaked logo footage of the Brewers' potential logo for the 2020 season. And it's similar to the 1978 throwback uh, ball in the mitt logo, except it has a few changes. For example, the baseball has two seams on it instead of that weird, awkward diagonal seam. Uh, There is extra coloring in between the mitts. And I think the mitt is more of that Brewers, kind of that navy bluish blue rather than that baby blue. Um, So what are your impressions of this logo if they do decide to move forward with this in 2020? Because it hasn't officially been announced by the Brewers yet. It's just leaked. Okay, so... I like the idea of going back to this. I really do. I love, absolutely love that old logo. It's, for my money, it's the best or one of the best um, logos in baseball, that ball in the glove logo. Um, I haven't really ever been a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers logo where it's like Milwaukee on top, big Brewers, and then the baseball behind it. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm not a big fan of the M with the little wheat leaf. Not a huge fan of those, but I absolutely love the old jerseys when they wear them on Fridays. I love that. So that way it's good. I am not a big fan of the color. I know that's the traditional Brewers color nowadays, but I really love that old, the old school with the lighter blue. I thought it just really looked nice. Outside of that, I did like the old ball, but it definitely, I think it looks better in the new logo with when it actually looks like a baseball. And then the coloring in of the, of that part on the glove, I don't know. I don't really think it changes all that much, but I do overall like it. I just wish they would have stayed with the old color just because that is like nostalgia to a T with that old color. So overall like it but would have loved it if they would have just kept the old logo and just made the ball look like an actual baseball that's fair i there's been a lot of rumors of the brewers going to pinstripes primary jersey for next year and if they go with this logo it'll be interesting like because the old pinstripe jerseys have that nice baby blue we're talking about what blue did they use then if you know if this is our logo i i can't see them using the navy darker blue whatever color it is for pinstripes i think that would just look kind of awkward but i guess i could be wrong and none of this is official but who knows <laughs> i think it would the pinstripes would look black if they used that darker blue i agree it, it just wouldn't be a good fit at all so you almost have to use the lighter blue in that case but we'll find out in due time uh, when the brewers do actually announce something But the majority of our podcast today is going to be going over some pitching roles for 2020. We are going to simulate a roster of starters and relievers through all internal options. So what that means is I created the list of all our guys who are on the 40-man roster. The potential free agents do not count in this hypothetical situation. So Jordan Lyles, Gio Gonzalez, Drew Pomerantz, and Matt Albers. We are not allowed to use them for this initial round of players here. We need to construct our team based off everyone else. So the list as it would stand is Woodruff, Hauser, Davies, Anderson, Supak, Faria, Hader, Knable, Claudio, Guerra, Jackson, Black, Taylor Williams, Devin Williams, the other Guerra, 
and Bobby Wall. Those are all the players from the 40-man roster. So, Trevor, how would you construct an opening day starting lineup based off of those players? I think um, there is some, like, certainties in this, but there's a lot of things that you can kind of change around here. And you might not think what I do is right, but I feel like there is so many different options here. Like you can understand a lot of different scenarios in the starting rotation. So I'm just, I'm just going to get a little freaky with this one. Okay. So the first one shouldn't be a surprise. Brandon Woodruff is going to be opening day starter, even though I kind of hope they throw someone else out there opening day, just so he doesn't get cursed. But Woodruff, number one starter, bona fide number one, and there's should be no question about that. Number two, I think what makes the most sense to me is Brent Suter. Um, he was phenomenal down the stretch in September, and getting a full off season of no rehab, which f- probably feels like forever for him, and he can just focus on pitching and getting back into it. I really think he is going to be a key cog for us next year. And I think if the Brewers don't go out and get a starting pitcher, which I, they have to go out and get some pitching, I think. But if, say, they kind of sure up their bullpen more than they worry about starting pitching, I think Brent Suter is going to be kind of an X factor. If he is good and the Brewers have good two good starting pitchers and they have a good bullpen, I think that's going to be enough, but I guess we'll have to see what happens on the offensive side. But I think Brent Suter is really, really important. Another player, and this one might be a surprise to people, I'm going to put Freddie Peralta back in the starting rotation. The reason for this is because he basically was a sixth starter, essentially. He did a lot of the longer outings. I know at one point he was, everyone was questioning, should he be a high a high leverage reliever, but I just don't see that from him. And then kind of down the stretch, you noticed they talked about it a lot on the broadcasts and things that Freddie needed two to three days and then he could pitch again and he was good. So my philosophy, if that's what he was doing and pitching three innings, why not give him starters rest and let him go five, six innings? I think he could do it. Um, I know he's been up and down, but when you have young guys, that's what you're going to have to deal with. And So that's who I'm putting in the third spot. The next spot um, gets pretty tough. So basically in the conversation for me right now, Zach Davies, Chase Anderson, Jimmy Nelson, Corbin Burns, and Trey Supak. So I think with my number four starter, I have to go Zach Davies. So that obviously means I'm picking up or tendering him and paying him what he is owed in arbitration. Right now, that number is estimated about five mil. So I, as a force starter, and if those first three kind of pan out, I imagine Freddie's going to be up and down again this year, but hopefully it's not so far of a downswing for him uh, this year. So I'm going to put Davies in the four spot, and I feel like if Davies is the pitcher he was this year and he's in your four spot, that that's looking really, really good for your starting rotation. So I just think the number I don't think is too crazy for a starting pitcher at five. Yeah, he's your fourth pitcher, but I, I really don't think that matters all that much if he's able to be, you know, a 3-5 to a 4 ERA in that spot at five mil. I'm not too upset about, and it's just enough to not kind of fall off the wagon with your last two starters. So I feel very confident in those four players. And this last one is pretty interesting to me. And I 
Tyler knows how much I love Corbin Burns, and I feel like in an offseason he can go back to Arizona. He can keep developing pitches because he did develop that 96-mile-an-hour cutter in Arizona when he was down in, in the minors for a little bit, and that was a very impressive pitch. So if he's able to continue to do that in the offseason, continue to do well, I think he could force his way into the starting rotation. I just don't see it right away, and we're constructing opening day rosters. So this one might surprise you. I don't want to pick up Chase. This part shouldn't surprise you. I'm not picking up Chase Anderson's 8.5 mil number. But I think I would bring back Jimmy Nelson for 3.7. But I'm not going to put him in the starting rotation. I'm putting Trey Supak in the number five spot. Whoa. Wow. (laughs) And the reason for this is, look, I know he's basically only produced at the double A level or lower. And when he moved up last year to AAA, he didn't he did not pitch great. One and two record, 9.3 ERA. Again, not great. But it was a small sample size, only 30 innings. I just feel like it might have been switching midseason, I feel like, is never easy for pitchers because you're so used to the competition and then you move up. Um, I just feel like it's a little bit easier for hitters. I'm not entirely sure why, but it seems like when pitchers move in the minor leagues, they seem to struggle when they first get to their new team. So I just feel like if you give him a chance to pitch at the major league level, he could do it. Like Trent Grisham came up and produced at the major league level, and he was in double-A most of the year last year before that. Um, And then they moved him up to triple-A and then – up to the majors, but he was really good last year um, in Double A at Biloxi. He was 11 and four with a 2.2 ERA. Um, he had 20 games started in the in that span, 122 innings pitched. So there's your sample size I'm looking at, and I think it makes a lot of sense with what the Brewers did last year. Look, the Brewers threw out three very unproven guys. Granted, they did have some major league experience, but Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns. Freddie Peralta last year, those are all young guys. And Supak doesn't have any major league experience yet, but they've shown that they're not afraid to throw out the young guy and and see if they stick. And look, if if he works like Brandon Woodruff, Craig Council is going to look like a goddamn genius. And if he doesn't work, he's young. You put him back in AAA, let him figure it out, and you go from there and bring him up when he's figured it out a little bit better. But I just think it... It could be great, but I don't think it's going to hurt his development to to do that for him. So those are my five. Woody, Suter, Freddie Peralta, Davies, and Trey Supak. All right. I like it. Mine was somewhat similar. I let Davies walk. That would be one difference for me. I did tender Jimmy Nelson, but I do not have him in my, in my starting rotation. I actually would have him starting the year in AAA. I think if you tender him to a contract... He's still worth the risk, I guess you could say, of him returning to form. And you just got to tell him, go to the minors and prove it at this point. Like, nothing's given anymore. If he starts balling out in AAA, sure, bring him back up. And even if in the majors he has a, what, high three to low four ERA, okay, well, that's about what you expect out of Zach Davies, and you're saving yourself one to one and a half mil. So I think that's a good situation for the Brewers. My rotation, I guess I left Adrian Hauser in the starting rotation. You had him out. So mine was Woodruff, Hauser, Suter, 
Peralta, and then I put in Corbin Burns. I brought him in there as well Ooh. based off the personnel. I mean, you mentioned the cutter. That thing is, yeah, it's something to be excited about. And I think just an, he needs a new season. Hopefully that's what, you know, what Travis Shaw needs on the opposite side of the ball as well. But you got, you'll give him a shot in, in this starting rotation. Moving on, we'll switch over to the bullpen. We'll start with the closer and setup, even though, you know, that isn't really traditional roles anymore. Who would be your closer and we'll just call it high leverage guys per se in the bullpen? So obviously my high leverage guys are Hater and Knable. And you're eight and nine. I personally one of them starts pitching and then Hater's the better pitcher right now in their careers, obviously. But like if Knable's pitching well, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the closer role. If he isn't pitching quite as good, um, maybe you have him as a setup man to give your offense an extra shot. Maybe I, I, but those two, without a doubt, are there. And then I think my next two, so kind of the seventh inning guys that I'm throwing out there right now that really spark my interest a little bit. Uh, one is Bobby Wall. Now I don't know if he's going to be ready for the start of the season after his injury last year. I'm not really sure, but. If he's ready, I think he could be a player in that later relief role. And then Ray Black, if he figures out his command, that guy's going to be electric and could be a great one, two, three punch to end games with Black, Knable, and Hader. And then if Wall is good too, like good luck once you get into the bullpen of a close game. If you can just go Bobby Wall, Black, Knable, Hader, yeah, good luck opposing teams. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that what hundred mile fastball he's got, it's that's crazy. And it's a big it's a big if if he can get his command down because he's what, twenty nine? He has not been an effective pitcher in the major leagues because he can't control his fastball. Um so that is a big if, but if it happens he he could be nearing the neighborhood of of Josh Hader with that fastball he's got. I obviously will agree with you on the high leverage in Hader and Knable. Man, it'll be exciting to have him back next year. My middle relievers, so like guys I wouldn't, I guess I'd throw Junior Guerin as a high leverage guy. He did fairly decent job throughout the the season in 2019, but the other middle of the road guys, I would have Alex Claudio, the other Guerra, so Diolis Guerra, Jay Jackson, I would have up Bobby Wall, and then Ray Black. And then long relief, excuse me, I would have Jake Faria. Does have lots of experience starting games. I don't think that's his potential role in the MLB. In fact, as he's gone throughout his career in the minors, he started less and less games each each year. So it's shot in the dark if he's going to actually become a starter or not. So it's looking more like the bullpen. So long relief seems to be a fitting role for him. And then obviously that would have me sending both Devin and Taylor Williams to AAA to start the year based off our pitching personnel. So I forgot to mention this guy, and I think Corbin Burns is going back to his role from the 2018 season when he kind of came on. He was still a one-to-two inning pitcher, but it was kind of that sixth inning area. I think that's where you're going to see him, at least to start the year, and I think that trio, Bobby Wall, Ray Black, Corbin Burns, I think they're going to kind of battle for that position in terms of who's going to be the setup man, who's going to be sixth inning in the in the close games when they need a pitcher, 
who is going to be their go-to. And then in terms of your longer relief, I think Claudio, I'm still not even sure if he's making the roster because he's arbitration eligible. And I he could make it. I feel like they used him a ton, so he could definitely make it. And maybe he's a not a high leverage reliever, but he's kind of a one-inning guy because I don't really see when he was more of a lefty specialist going too long relief. But I feel like maybe in less high leverage situations, you see him out there in the 6th, 7th, 8th. I think Junior Guerra and Jimmy Nelson I'm going to put in our longer relief as with Jake Faria. And then, honestly, I really don't know what to expect out of Jay Jackson, Taylor Williams, Devin Williams, and the other Guerra. So I, I don't know where I want to put them, those guys yet. I think they... Some of them have a role on this team. I am just not 100% sure where it is and how effective they're going to be and how often they're even going to be at the Major League Club. So I'm I'm confident in my other, like my long relief and my high leverage guys, but kind of those middle of the road guys, I, I'm not really sure where I'd put them as of right now. There are a lot of question marks. I think I'm excited for Jay Jackson because, man, his slider looked great at times in 2019. He definitely proved he can, he has the stuff. It's just putting it all together. And then if you listen to any of our previous podcasts, Dolores Guerra had a tremendous season in the minors despite his, uh, his age of 30. So there's lots of promise there, but he was just recently added to the 40-man roster. So you have to believe the Brewers are looking to use him and give him a shot early in 2020. So for this next part now, we're going to fix our lineups. Obviously, it's not ideal working without any of our free agents or free agents that are out on the market. So I'm going to open that up. The They're available now, and I'll start. So how I would fix the lineup I just constructed, not Trevor's. Don't get me started on that one. Hey, uh, how I would hey. fix mine <laughs> is I would re-sign Jordan Lyles, so He'll probably have to pay him, what, probably four, five-ish mil. I think it's worth it. I would insert him in the starting rotation for Corbin Burns. I would re-sign Gio Gonzalez. He's not going to go 200 innings, but you can probably get him for that three-ish mil range again. I would put him in for Freddie Peralta in the starting rotation. Obviously, I would have Burns option down to AAA then, uh, put Freddie Peralta back into that long reliever role, and then I would sign Drew Pomerantz. He's obviously going to need a little bit of a pay raise as well, but again, still shouldn't be more than four mil to re-sign him. But because I didn't sign Zach Davies, I think I can afford to do that. And then I would send down Bobby Wall to start the year in AAA to start with. It was kind of between him and Ray Black, but I figured I'd give the uh, high velocity. I mean, they're both high velocity, but give the the guy with the higher fastball velocity the chance first uh, to start the year. And then suddenly you're looking at a starting lineup, or rotation, excuse me, of Brandon Woodruff, Jordan Lyles, Adrian Hauser, Brett Suter, and Gio Gonzalez, which I think is, I think that's fair. The only hole I would fix in that rotation then is I would maybe sign another starter out there on the mound um, and then put him in Gio's spot. So send Gio back to that long reliever role that he kind of used to end last season. And then then I would send Ray Black down to AAA. Um, who that free agent would be, I don't know. I'd like to see us go get Wood. Michael Walker's out there. I think there are some good options for the Brewers to get that we've talked about previously. So with that being said, 
Any comments on that, Trevor, or how would you fix your lineup that you constructed? What I would do is I'd just go sign Garrett Cole. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> now, if that was a possibility, I don't care what the rest of it is. You keep Woody, you keep Brent Suter, and you somehow get Garrett Cole, that's looking like a damn good starting rotation. I think in terms of Brewers free agents, Lyles and Pomerantz, is who I'm signing. Now, I kept Davies in the starting rotation, so that's the reason I'm not signing Gio. Uh, I think they they seem like very similar types of pitchers in terms of what you would expect out of them. So I'm taking Davies. I just feel like there's a little, little bit more in terms of, I don't know if upside's the right word, but, I mean, Gio's 34 and Zach Davies is turning 27. So I just feel like there is some growth that Zach Davies could still go under. So I'm going to lead toward Davies in that regard, but I do want Trey Lyles or Jordan Lyles back, excuse me. And I think that really helps bolster that starting rotation. And for me, if that is the case, I think I'm going to make Trey Supak my odd man out, but I'll probably put Lyles in the two or three role, depending on how I feel about Suter uh, getting closer to opening day. But then my starting rotation, I got Woody, Suter, Lyles, Peralta, and Davies. And I feel absolutely phenomenal about having Davies in the five hole in the starting rotation. I feel great about that. So that's what I would do there. I would definitely bring back Drew Pomerantz and put him in that middle relief role. And really it's... That same role I was talking about um, with Burns, Black, and Wall. I think that's kind of where I would see him. I don't think he's going to be as good as he was for the Brewers the whole year, but I do think he's going to be solid and worth the money just because I I do feel like he's just going to be a solid player. He's not going to be phenomenal, um, but he's going to do enough in that bullpen to help you win games. And I think for me, the odd man out, which might surprise you the way I was talking about him earlier, is is Ray Black. And I think that's just to give him a little bit more time to see if he can figure out the command thing. And hopefully in the Brewers system, they're able to coach him up and get him a little bit better, change his mechanics slightly to figure out what's going on and try to fix that. And then that just gives him a little time to figure it out. He figures it out. Now you got Hader, Knable, Drew Pomerantz, and Ray Black, and maybe Bobby Wall, and maybe Corbin Burns if he figures it out. So there's a lot of maybes, lots and lots of maybes, but if these players start figuring it out, this could be a very good bullpen. This could be a very good starting rotation as well. And I'm not signing Fatty Albers again. Amen. <laughs> uh, it, it, he's he's run his course here in Milwaukee, unfortunately. So bye-bye, Albers. You did have some good moments for us this year. Had at least one good stretch. We went close to 10 appearances without a long run, but yeah, just not consistent enough to get re-signed. I think the last thing that is worth mentioning on this podcast is we both just constructed these lineups with 14 bullpen pitchers so remember the active roster is 26 next year so typically a team carries 12 or 13 pitchers total i'd expect next year especially for the brewers for it to be closer to 13 at all times and then occasionally 14 depending if they want another infielder or not so 
lots of arms. We mentioned a lot of high-velocity guys, and that is super exciting. As long as they can stay consistent, strike them out, and get good location, yeah, this bullpen could be very good. And the only free agent both of us added in the bullpen was Drew Pomerantz. So the internal options are there. So I think this was a fun way to kind of assess where the Brewers are at and, you know, what needs they may need to make in the pitching staff. So I didn't mention any outside free agents, partially because I'm not 100% sure they're going to be able to get anyone, especially if they're re-signing Grandal and signing a lot of those arbitration-eligible players. So I didn't want to build my new constructed one with a higher money free agent. But a couple of guys that I do think could be very good uh, for the Brewers, Tyler, you mentioned him, um, Michael Waka. I think he could be very good. Um, obviously, there's some other pitchers out there that would be great, but the Brewers just can't afford them. In terms of pitchers, I think could be in the price range. I think Michael Walker's up there. Maybe Tanner Roark. He's getting a little bit on the older side. He's 33 right now. Maybe that's an option. Uh, but other than that, I don't think there's a lot within the Brewers' price range realistically that they're going to be able to get. So I did want to mention Michael Walker because I feel like he would be a good fit. And for me, that would probably throw out Zach Davies and you don't have to tender him if you can get Michael Walker and save a little bit of money there, the 5 mil. And last year, Waka was paid 6.3. He had a 4.76 ERA, so I don't imagine a huge pay raise for him. Um, so maybe that's an option. Instead of Zach Davies, maybe you go get Michael Waka, who's a little bit more proven and just a little bit older. He's only 29, so just another option that I thought of. Uh, yeah, we both seem to be on board with Michael Waka, so really interesting to see what happens there with him and if the Brewers decide to go after him or not. But yeah, I think that'll wrap us wrap up the podcast for today. Um, let us know what your internal pitching options would be. How would you construct a starting lineup based off players that are currently on our active roster? Because it's kind of interesting to think about. And then make sure you're checking out our other podcasts. Uh, the prospect breakdowns are continuing on Monday, number 26 and 25 just came out. That was Corey Howell and Tyrone Taylor. Next week, we'll be breaking down, obviously, 24 and 23 then, which is Adam Hill and Thomas Dillard. And my favorite breakdown so far, Trevor and I recorded that one already. And oh, you're going to want to check it out. Trust me. A little comparison to Yasmani Grandal in there, so check it out. And then make sure you're checking out the Bucks Trilogy Podcast and the Packers Trilogy Podcast as well for all of your Wisconsin sports content. But until next time, see you later, Brewer fans. Thomas Dillard for president. Thomas Dillard for president.